You're listening to the Just Jazz and Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz, and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and R&B. I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Hey folks, welcome to this week's episode of the Just Jazz and Co podcast. Today I have another guest with me and this is a very special guest. Uh, This is somebody who I met through a community we're both a part of called Found and Flourish and um, it's a bit odd to say but it's like I met her at work. So I was enjoying brunch and Donna was taking amazing photos of everyone just engaging and interacting with one another um, as entrepreneurs. So it's a female entrepreneurs community. Um, and over the years, we've always stayed in touch. We've spent time together um, and I've seen her work even more. Um, so it was a natural, natural selection to have her on the show to share a little bit more of her journey. Now, yes, I do know a lot about Donna, but I don't know everything. Like, I don't think we could truly know everything. So let's start off the episode by inviting you, Donna Ford, to share a little bit about who you are today and what you get up to. Thanks, Jez. Um, So, yeah, I'm a photographer and I love taking photos of people. So I guess I call myself a portrait photographer and I also do events. And what I am really interested in at the minute is doing more conceptual editorial shoots where I can bring people together. And I guess the most important thing about the work that I do is elevating women's voices or underrepresented voices. I feel kind of like if we can tell these stories, then we become a sort of richer culture as a result. Mm. So I think that that's my drive in all the things that I do. And I guess how I decide what work that I'm going to do as well. Yeah, I think that that's huge, having a bit of a lens that helps you choose the work that you do because... This, I think photography kind of similar to coaching. There are so many of us, which means it's so important to not only have a perspective, but to also share that with the world because you are building a portfolio is a kind of cumulative journey, right? And it's not necessarily a portfolio like you're going to want to see on a reality show being like photographer of the year competition. But I just mean it in terms of like body of work, X years of my life really perfecting this craft what does that look like what impact has it created who who has it impacted right as well especially around kind of using it as a space to kind of raise visibility and like give voices to underrepresented folks is super duper huge I think photography is so powerful because I think I think we often take for granted that in many ways your work can be your legacy I think we talk about when we talk about people like um, Andy Warhol and like Basquiat, like we talk about the artists of of old, but I think especially where we live in a world where like anyone can say that they're a photographer, right? I've got an iPhone and I like shoot great photos. Um, there's a space where it's like, actually this image, this piece of art will be here after I'm gone. 
And if somebody stumbles across it online or offline, what do I want them to know about me and my perspective? What do I want them to know about this time and this season or the subjects in my photography? Um, so yeah, I went on a tangent there, but I'm like, photography is art, woo! <laughs> yeah, and it's really true what you say. I've really thought about this a lot that you, any artist, anybody that creates stuff, there's something of you within it. And, you know, the way that I capture people, it's it's like I want to somehow get a bit of their essence. And that's the mm. thing about me, you know, that I want that that truth, that person, that sort of honesty that, um, to come through. So, yeah, I really, I really think yeah. that's true. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's huge, huge. And also I say this as somebody who's been shot by Donna, taking your photos can be such a vulnerable and exposing experience because as much as people think you just point and shoot, for the actual subject, there's an element of trust that you have to have for the photographer, trust in yourself as well, as well as like the uniqueness of the moment. Um, even for me, like getting comfortable being silly, like some of my greatest photos that I absolutely love and that in the words of my husband look like me are the ones where I've literally just let go and I'm fully trusting the photographer and I'm trusting the moment and I'm just having so much fun with it and just being myself, yeah. not trying to like do anything that I've seen staged elsewhere or trying to emulate someone else. And I think mm. that kind of makes it quite a unique experience. And I think that's the side of working with a professional photographer that people don't necessarily realise is that it is mm. that sort of unique. Mm. I don't know. It's like a, it's a reflective experience. <laughs> I would say that that's actually why I love it so much, because just going back to what you said about there being a million mm. coaches, there are a million photographers. And when you start, you kind of do everything. You know, you do weddings, you do families, you do pets, you do babies, mm. you you kind of do everything. And what I find is that when I started taking photos of people, that something just got reignited, got ignited in me that I didn't actually expect to happen. And after doing it, I guess, for a while, I was honing in, thinking, why do I love this so much? And I realised it was the that intimacy, one-on-one -on -one is the thing I probably mm -hmm. love the most. And also, I think being a photographer, you feel I've realised it makes me feel quite powerful because I do, I have... The, the, the way that you do let people come in and you are, they are being vulnerable with you. This, I find that really beautiful that I get to do that. Like that is actually, mm. I'm really conscious that I love that. That's not just a kind yeah. of, it's a bit like therapy or having, you know, a really intense conversation with a glass of wine with your best friend. Those are yeah. my favourite interactions where you go deep and you're in it together, mm. and, you know. And There's an intimacy. It, yeah, <laughs> like. I find it yeah. hard to let go, actually, when I say bye to people, which is why I hate doing yeah. really short sessions. And even if I do a longer session, I still have this sort of, oh, I don't want to say goodbye, like, kind yeah. of feeling. Because <laughs> I get so invested, you know, in that person. And um, so yeah. it's just interesting that like, you go on this journey um, with them. Yeah. Huge. So mm -hmm. have you always been a photographer? What What was your career journey to this point? Oh my gosh, this is a bit crazy. So my passion growing up was dance and theatre, but I was really academic at school and I mm. grew up in Northern Ireland, you know, 80s, 90s. So being academic was obviously seen as the pinnacle of life, that you can choose anything you want to be. But I actually really wanted to study dance. And so even though I kind of got straight A's for my A-levels, I was mm. like, no, I, I really want to go to England and I really want to study 
dance. It's my it's my thing I love. I hadn't done it for years. It wasn't even that I was in the middle of training. I just had this crazy yeah. idea. And I got in, which was a bit of a miracle, to be honest. And what was so exciting was that I got to, you know, train physically. And I loved that. But it was also quite a philosophical degree. So I studied philosophy and anthropology and aesthetics. And there was something about that that I think awakened something in me that I didn't even know was there. Mm. And I think that then took me on this journey of feeling like I was interested in art and I don't know. I loved going to the theatre and art galleries and talking about all of that with people. So it kind of was the opposite of what I grew up with. Um, so, yeah, I was a dance teacher and choreographer until my kids were born. And then it was too energetic and it was sort of this weird situation where, you know, when you're freelance, you're all, I've always been freelance. You're mm. always looking for work all the time. And I didn't have any more energy to find more work. Yeah. So... I was in a fog. <laughs> mm. And actually, it's funny when you talk about, you know, being ambitious. I had, I think I got to quite a low point in a way with my career in that I thought, yeah. I'm not sure anyone would even pay me to make coffee. You know, I had this sense mm. of what can I offer? What can I give? And then I got into interiors and I started an interior design blog. And that's when I started photography because we had loads of cameras lying around the house. And I thought, that's my thing. I'm going to take my own photography and I started to interview people in their homes. And that's when I started taking photos of people. And that's when it, I kind of got, it was almost like, I've never had this before, I don't think, where I was being pulled towards photography and it had a life of its own. I didn't yeah. massively feel in control of it. I felt like I was enjoying it and I was doing more of it, but I just kept getting work. Um, and then about maybe two or three years ago, I went full time with that and didn't do the interior stuff anymore. So it's been a really eclectic creative career, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And even just, I'm just imagining just moments of bravery. Like I'm going to go to London to study dance. No, I, I haven't been to class. Like I haven't been secretly training. Mm. <laughs> like I know, this it's is crazy. just what I'm going to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, records go. I think my careers teacher probably was like, there's, you know, there's no, hope. I mean, it was crazy on my UCAS form. I had, I had film and drama, which is interesting because I'm getting really back into film again at the minute. I'm really enjoying mm. that and working with different like filmmakers and production companies. But um, I had physics, film and drama and dance. <laughs> like that was, yeah. Whew. A little bit crazy. My career <laughs> teacher probably was yeah. like, said, ah! God, exercising the two different sides of your brain, I guess. Literally, I was like, oh, physics was like the subject from hell for me from GCSE. I couldn't wait to get rid of that. Um, so actually, yeah, it must be interesting if that side of you ever sort of plays in to like the more academic side of you plays into the work that you do um, now. Oh, gosh, I, I don't know. I think I had a sort of, I was so thirsty to be creative and the school I went to just didn't have that many options you know there was nothing for a level I did really bad at art at school no one tried to teach me it was just like you were the good at it mm. you weren't and I guess no one really yeah. cared because they were like oh she's academic she's going to be fine but it just is this thirst within me to be creative and I think the performing arts I think actually theatre was really my first love mm. I talked about this a lot recently it was kind of being in the theatre and the curtains coming up and that moment of darkness and the aliveness of that performance there was something about that that 
I think that's, I think I'm returning to that slightly with doing more editorial stuff where it's a bit more conceptual and it has like being on set sometimes has this feeling of like what's happening in the lights and in front of the camera is your theatre and then the the back behind the scenes and the backstage is behind where the lights are and in the, in the shadow. And there's something Mm. about that, that I just find so exciting and I've just gotten to a point where I'm like, I want more of that. And I, I love all the natural light stuff. And I love doing branding and I love telling people stories as well. But there's this other part of me now. So I just don't think the academic yeah. side, maybe it just helps me run a business or helps me be a little bit more logical sometimes. But it is yeah. like, I've, I don't know, I've let go of it a bit. I like reading, I guess. I like reading neuroscience yeah. and psychology and learning about people and humans and the science behind that too. But yeah. definitely the arty side has taken over. well it sounds like your career took you on a ride do you know what I mean like you I'm getting like cartoons in my mind you know like the scene in the forest where they get their jacket hooked on the wheelbarrow and it's like okay we're going we're going on the ride but like a good ride I feel like it's a self-exploration because usually when having conversations like this I don't know it just feels like you got pulled through your career Mm. to where you are now as opposed to it being like steps and shifts and te- you know like almost like game boy type <laughs> adventure and i think there's an element of that that must be quite peaceful because i think with every shift that you made and every left turn or right turn there was just you must have had so much self trust in yourself that it's like well last time i made a decision about my career it was okay so yeah and it's funny because i think maybe when i think about my parents there was never any pressure like in terms of mm. achieving highly at school there was never a pressure to do that. Like I wanted to, and I could, and I think I pushed that forward. No one was saying you've got to be like this. But then at the same time, that meant, I think when I came to big decisions, I was kind of on my own a bit, like to just do whatever Mm. I wanted. There wasn't, there was no, but like obviously I think, especially my mum, you know, she said, I just want you to do what makes you happy. So Mm. there was that encouragement, but then there wasn't sort of any pressure to do that either. So maybe there's a freedom in choice as well that, you don't have these interior... I mean, there definitely were teachers or people mm. in authority that I felt were saying, you shouldn't do this, this is silly, but not from, I think, yes, people who really loved and cared about me. So maybe there was a freedom yeah. into feeling like I could choose that. But I think also passion takes over sometimes where when you really love something, I think sometimes you're like, I can't bear not to do this or at least try, yeah. you know? If I try and then I don't, well, then I, at least I don't... I think that a sense of regret at the end of your life is mm. a terrible thought you know oh, if only yeah. if I'd done that what would have happened um and it definitely isn't easy it's easy to talk about it now and think oh it sounds really fun and it is but mm. it's difficult it's difficult always finding work you know it's really well, yeah hard. that's what I was about to say that season sounded exhausting there's no other way I can kind of put it and I know a lot of people that are in that space of it freelancing and I think that's one thing that I'm delighted to see more in the entrepreneurial space is that freelancers are entitled to say actually it's a retainer for a three-month minimum or mm. things like that because I think there was definitely a space where it's just like well like it or lump it if I don't have more work for you tomorrow then I don't have more work for you tomorrow and I think there's a space of a little bit more um like consistency being allowed so freelance can still have all the benefits of having that creativity and you can be working on a different thing every day and you're open to new clients and stuff like that but the the exhausting side of okay do we have 
the savings? Do we have, have we sent that invoice out? What's that 60 days, 90 days, 30 days? Like what are we kind of looking at? That is always such, I, when I think about it, I always think about it as such a bittersweet thing because there's nothing worse than being worried about money when you're expected to really tap into your creativity. Like it's such a burden, right? And I say that, and I don't say that to like pit different types of careers against each other, but say like when I worked in hospitality or I worked in customer service or even like doing admin, I could be worried about money and it didn't require that side of me. So I could just show up and just like bang it out, like for want of a better word, right? Yeah, there was an element and, of you yeah. show up and you do your shift. Whereas it's just like, actually when there's an element of creativity, it's like, okay, okay, shake it off, shake it off and kind of go into mm. that zone. And that kind of is its own emotional labor. Mm. Um, or, or just feeling like you're constantly auditioning. Like, okay, they like mm. me for this one, they'll book me again for the next one. Um, well, I think one yeah. thing I've been re- trying to do more consciously this year is when I'm busy to keep marketing because I think it's mm. easy when you're busy to just ride that wave and then you get to the end of that and you're like, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I've been trying to do that more consciously. But then I think it's also because my husband's also freelance, we're a bit like we need to enjoy the freelance life and not mm. feel bad if we take the day off and go and do something together when the kids were at school. We went to the gym on Friday and or like if you're yeah. working in the evening or at the weekend, then, you know, have a day off in the week. You know, you can, you think that's, that's yeah. my reward. Is and, and also, to be honest, neither of us have ever had great experiences working for other people because yeah. I don't think we like that control and we don't like not being the voice or being mm. I don't know in charge I think so yeah it for us does that 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 doesn't work well <laughs> so yeah I think you, you know you learn all you learn all this stuff about yourself I think mm. and I guess it's the landscape has changed a lot with there being more flexible working whether you're a parent or not like this mm. since COVID everything has changed so I guess even if you do work somewhere there is this possibility of having more flexibility you know yeah yeah I think we've become a little bit more life aware I guess in that sense and I think even more so as ambitious people there's an element of knowing that it would be very easy for me to work seven days a week doing Mm. my own stuff Mm. right or even a job that I love right I work Um, having a full-time role and a business, I could very easily be working every single day in some capacity because I love what I do on both sides. So there's also that element of actually that then becomes the learning is to bring in the balance, especially if you, you know, as you've described, you sound like you've been ambitious since you were a child. So there's that element of like, Mm. throw myself into it I'm having a great time this is great I'm doing purposeful work and I'm learning and I'm growing and then it's like okay am I enjoying this what you said is very true because I think I don't know if you have I think we're quite similar in our sort of energy and the the way it sort of works and our ideas but I did um a few years ago I I did the Enneagram which is one of these personality Mm. things quite an old one and my Enneagram type it's four, but the three wings of four is, uh, it's all about um, people being uh, authentic and individual. Everyone's different and wonderful and being very creative. And the three wing is a sense of achieving. Mm-hmm. And the idea of the Enneagram is that you have this, um, you have this drive, or you have this like overarching priority for life. But if you take it to the extreme, it becomes dangerous because, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, like the, this four number can become very insular and withdrawn and overthinking. And this three wing, that it's kind of vice, I guess, is that you only identify as being successful or uh, being valuable when you're achieving. And it really challenged mm. me because I thought that's true. Like people, especially some of my friends, like, you know, oh, you're amazing. You're doing this. And then you've done, you've put yourself forward for this. And I'm like, yeah, but that, that's how I find my worth. And that, mm. and sometimes I really have to step back and go when I'm doing nothing or when I don't have exciting jobs on, I'm still wonderful. I find that really hard. And I do think that that's, mm the flip side sometimes of being this high achiever like yeah you get things done you you progress things but sometimes that feels like that's the way you have to be in order to be okay yeah. <laughs> and that's not a great way to always live I think I don't know yeah. if you identify with that at all <laughs> no 100% 100% identify with it I did the Enneagram over dinner once it was <laughs> I did like a biz retreat with a few of my friends and that naturally became the dinner conversation it was like what are you what are you um, so I totally get it. And I think that's one thing that I think we don't realise when we do all of these sort of different profile things, which I love, is that they quite often will highlight how if pushed to the extreme, this strength or this trait or this characteristic can become detrimental to you. Um, but even going into the topic of like achieving inside my membership, The Vault, there's a private podcast. And one of the earliest episodes that I recorded was I didn't get a promotion. I survived because it was a really, really um, confronting moment for me to sit down to do my personal review and realise that I hadn't been promoted in a year and a half. And that's not like me, quote unquote, right? Which even that sounds like, what do you mean? That's not <laughs> like you. There are people waiting years for promotions. But my track record had been year on year, something moves, something shifts. I get another trinket, I get another toy, I get another badge. Um, and there was an element of actually resting in the fact that, hey, I wouldn't have been ready for any promotion. And I'd spent the best part of a year just getting my feet under the tape, getting to grips with what's going on, like actually getting the foundation in order for me to actually excel or to springboard off of. Like that foundation wasn't there. I was I was literally building it. And there's something to there's something for me to almost like be compassionate about in that that it's not always just mm. you know we use the phrase hit the ground running there was no yeah. ground <laughs> yeah. like I yeah. had to lay the concrete so you know release that expectation but understand that even without the trinket I'm still ambitious I'm still high achieving I'm still moving forward and yeah I'm still growing and I'm still creating an impact even if it didn't get the badge or the sticker or the lollipop and that mm. can be huge because it is another one of those reasons that makes you realise, am I still that without those? Am I still ambitious yeah. without that? Am I still good without mm. someone saying it? Am I still, yeah. Yeah, and I think when you run a business or maybe if you have a very creative career or, or mm. you're being freelance and you're always trying to push what you're doing and I definitely had an experience last year where I was putting some work forward for different things and just got not even no's, but kind of not mm, even a no, silent. you know, just being ignored. <laughs> just like, and just I, I did a coaching session with a, this is one off session and it really mm. transpired that this sense of, of being forgotten, that there was a really deeper thing going on there. There was a really mm. deep fear. It was reminding me of times when almost my ambitions kind of saved me because it gave me a focus when life is too hard mm. and and it's it's really incredible what you learn about yourself 
And actually, to be honest, as we're talking about all these different personality and Enneagram things, it's, it reminds you that other people are different and that that's yeah. really helpful, whether in work or in life, that not everyone feels this constant drive <laughs> to keep going. And, and that's OK as well, you know, but it, yeah. it's great whenever you find people that do feel like that. And I guess in Find and Flourish, people who run businesses are inherently always growing and evolving and pushing that yeah we find ourselves so connected through that and kind of can help each other on our journeys and understand all the emotions and inner stuff that comes up just mm. by the act of doing all this stuff um which kind of makes it exciting I guess but it doesn't mean it's yeah. always easy <laughs> no no it doesn't it doesn't at all and I think that's the thing I use the Sometimes I use the metaphor of like the duck who looks like really peaceful above the surface, but is like paddling like crazy below the surface. It's looking very graceful, up yes. top, but below the motor is just going. Oh, can I just say, I actually love you just said that because I have a tattoo, which is a swan and it has lots of like symbolism for me. And that's actually one of them is this, yeah. like, this kind of my, my goal for, I guess, calm and gracefulness. Mm. And maybe it often looks like that, but you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah oh my gosh it's that there's so many different ways that that metaphor can be used and I love that you have that as a tattoo that's so cool mm. it's got other meanings as well but that's what definitely yeah. one of them <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it's huge this episode is brought to you courtesy of The Vault, my membership that is the secret weapon for high achievers everywhere. Through our private podcasts, monthly group coaching and intuitive networking, we have a community of folks who get it and are busy go-getting. Go to justjazz.co forward slash vault to join us today. I think really what we're talking about here is identity, right? When you identify as a certain way or a certain type of person or you, you know, identify with your potential or your dreams and desires, there's an element of, okay, is the environment like, do the people in my industry see me as that? Or do my clients know that I have that superpower? Like there's that sort of element and it, it causes you to have to sort of I guess, build such a strong core within yourself that regardless of what's happening outside of you, you still are who you say you are, regardless of whether someone sees it mm. or not. Like, if you yeah, didn't you see get, me, mm. doesn't mean that I wasn't there or I wasn't invisible. It's just that you just didn't see me. And actually, how can I not make that mean something? How can I not make it mean something that you didn't get back to my pitch or my proposal? How can I not make it mean something if I didn't get shortlisted in the shout out online about the top blah, blah, blahs or kind of whatever it is. And it's such a difficult thing to unlearn because everything we're designed to do is to go in that direction, right? Even when we think about formal education, not only are you expected to like go to university, you're meant to graduate with a certain grade. And then once you do that, you then get an expectation that you're meant to land in one of these three places. And then when you land there, within X years, you're meant to be in this place. And it's just, there's a lot of shoulding and meant tos and stuff like that, that we can sometimes adopt because they are the most visible form of success and ambition that we've seen, if that makes sense. I think that's why I love like reading people's autobiographies or the, the post that goes around, like talking about like the ages that like, different people were when they kind of had their big break because it gives us those alternative narratives that it yeah. is like I have time <laughs> my career is long 
<laughs> and the journey it's about the journey yeah. like but i think and, as well yeah. that I, what i've also i think reconciled with myself is this different kind of um like ways of thinking about it i guess or approaches than that a lot of that achievement stuff is actually quite ego driven do you see what i mean mm. it's like so other people think i'm great and so other people think i'm successful like do you see what I mean? Sometimes then it doesn't actually make you feel good because you, it's just an ego thing of how you look yeah. and how you're going to be received. And I think what I've discovered more recently is that it's being more aware of when I feel that, like this is something that I just want to look good at to make other people mm. think I'm great versus this is what I really care about. And do you see what I mean? That, that yeah. difference. And I think sometimes, I know I don't know if you know you know Katie who does all the work around change maker and has a change making mm. book and stuff yeah. I think that just really helped me remember that sometimes something bigger is pulling me and this this idea of women's voices being heard like some of the projects that I've done in the last sort of year which have been more editorial that I've just done for myself mm. you know they've been an idea that's felt really strong I really wanted to do it but then as I started to research it or get more deeper into it I was like this is about something really deep and meaningful for me and not mm. just my story but and how that connects to everyone else so like one was um kind of Mad Men inspired it was actually International Women's Day last year mm, and last year it turned out that and this the coincidence in finding this all out was also quite strange that in the 70s my mum had been treated quite badly um in a divorce that she'd had and I mean, it was quite shocking what happened. And I was like, I feel like I needed to do this project to mm. rectify that and highlight that, you know, so, kind of in a subtle yeah. way. And then I did one based on Ophelia and it turned out that was all about grief and that was about, about something that was quite near to me and it was such a healing mm. thing for me to go through. So when I think when I think about my own projects, you know, I feel like I'm pulling other people into the theme and yeah. there's a process. I guess it's even like we're doing photos. I'm giving people photos, but... I don't want to just give people photos. I kind of want to give them confidence or I want to give them that reflection that you mentioned or mm. I want to give them this experience that somehow helps them yeah. to tell their story in a better way. It's not, in a way, I don't really care about the photos. Like I do and I love taking them and I love editing them. Yeah. But for me, there's a much bigger thing going on behind it. And I think that you feel you're part of something a bit bigger, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you, you see that when it's stuff like International Women's Day because you see all these kind of voices being elevated and you think we're all doing this work and we all do it all every day of the year. It's just that mm. we're talking about it a lot on this day. There's something about that that drives me forward quite a lot. And then I, and I, then I know that that's when it's not ego driven because it's not mm. just, it's not about me looking good or people saying, Oh, I really like your photos. It's about yeah. that really made me think, or that really changed me or, and I guess that links back to what you're saying about legacy. I guess that's what I want people to feel is, yeah something bigger they're being taken somewhere bigger for them on their own journey um and you don't always know what that is or, or why I think but I kind yeah. of trust that that mysterious connection that happens because it always does I don't yeah. know how but it always does um yeah. oh my goodness yeah it totally does so today like as we as we record, I got an, a message from somebody who's booked me to speak at an event in October. And we were just doing kind of the admin and around that, the paperwork. And she said, I saw your blog post on navigating redundancy and restructuring an organisation. And even though it's not something that I'm going through, I found it so valuable, not just for those experiences, but for life. Like it was just really great. Thank you for posting it. 
And I wrote that blog off the back of a podcast that I wrote when I was experiencing restructure. And in all honesty, when I was going through that, it brought up my past experience of redundancy. So my my thought, and actually it was a friend who said it to me, it was like, so wait, you've been through something similar before. I don't feel like this is a coincidence. And she knows me, she knows my heart, my vision and stuff like that. And she was just like, I just feel like there's something there. And I was just like, I do too. Because at that time when I was kind of walking through it, I was watching a lot of people like in the media, like walking into their buildings and their passes don't work. And, you know, people in really quite vulnerable positions, traveling for work and getting stranded and stuff like that. And that by no means was my experience either time. Um, But there was a space where I was like, this isn't an accident that I've gone through this again. And I think this is something that we've spoken about before um, with human design. So there's going to be lots of links in the show notes, guys. Enneagram, human design is another kind of one of those. Um, And my profile being a manifesting generator in my studies around what that profile actually represents is that um, we tend to be the people that are meant to go before and report back right? Where the the people with the kind of torch going through the cave and going, it's okay here, it's a little bit wet over there, but it's okay if you avoid the ditch over there and blah, blah, blah. And all of that really condensed. And then that's why I just literally opened up and recorded the podcast. And I was like, look, you will survive because I did. Um, And here's how, here's some thoughts, here's some mindset tools, here's some things that you can do to regulate your nervous system. Also, if you're like me and you also have anxiety and depression, here's a couple of things that will help as well. And I just poured out and um, the feedback that I got from that came from so many random places. Because I know we say it all the time, like you never know what anyone else is going through, but it was truly that. And I think it's moments like that, that remind me that, For me, whether it's my writing, my voice, my podcasting, my coaching, it's a tool. It's a tool of my purpose. It's a tool of my mission. It's a tool. And I think it's a similar thing with with your photography. It's like the photography is the tool, but the impact and the mission, so much bigger. And if you couldn't pick up a camera tomorrow, you'd find some other medium because it's the mission that will stay. It's the impact that you want to create. You'd find another way to give people that confidence, to give them that voice and to give well, them he, that Yeah, space. and having described my career, this is the magical thing is that the thread never changed because the mm. thread was always, how do we... How do we give, how do I give confidence to other people through expression? Because even when I was teaching dance and I, I taught like young toddlers and old people, people in daycare homes and teenagers and everyone. And, and actually that was my heart for it is that I want this person mm. to leave feeling different in themselves, feeling they've got more to give or they discovered something about themselves that they didn't know before. And th- then I did that with interiors and then I'm now doing it with photography, but it's become so much more intentional now, I think, mm. that it's not accident- It's not just something I'm doing. It's, I get it. Like I, I can take yeah. it somewhere, I think, because I know that that's what I'm doing. Um, and just what you were saying about writing those blogs, I think that it's, when you've experienced something and then you feel passionate about wanting to share it, that that is the power of storytelling because mm. you, do, you don't you do tell the story, again, for these ego reasons of just look at me and listen to me and, and mm. help me. Like, that's kind of not the intent behind it. You know, you, you do it for the sharing, this community kind of building thing and um, you're telling people what you care about. And I, I really, I think, something I've always believed, I, I guess I say this to my kids a lot, is that, 
when you have that fire of passion for something, like that's what you've got mm-hmm. to follow because yeah. you can be really good at something, but you'll get bored and you'll probably give up if you, you, you need this fire to keep you going on yeah. the difficult days because you will keep going and you will get a growth mindset tells us, well, you can, you can learn to be good at stuff. You know, you can mm-hmm. learn to get better at anything, but you need the passion to stick at it, I think. And obviously that piece of writing, there was something within you that was like, I have to do this. Yeah, and then, like and it, then, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a hundred percent. And I think that's a huge thing. I think we, <clears throat> how do I explain? I'm learning more and more in life the ways that I have treated myself like a machine or bought into the idea that I'm meant to be a machine. So I'm meant to push through, get up, grind, hit the ground running, go, 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 go. And actually realizing and building up this bank of evidence to the contrary, that is like, it's okay to not be able to do that right now. It's okay to say, I'm actually gonna get up tomorrow morning and do that thing because right now I just don't have it in me. And it's not like being like, I guess, spoiled per se, or like diva-ish about how I work and when I work and all of that stuff. But it's about actually, how do I perform at my best, not just perform? How do I perform at my best in a way where it doesn't take from me? I didn't force myself to stay up all night to do this thing because I felt like I should. I actually showed myself compassion and maybe reached out to the client or indeed like in the work circumstance, reached out to my colleague to say, can we push the meeting to next week? Because I'll be more prepared. Can we push the meeting till the afternoon and make it a little bit longer? I'd like to brainstorm with you or whatever that is. And I think coming to a space where we realize that it's not selfish to do that and it doesn't always need to be I'm doing it for the sake of doing it. I chose it for the sake of choosing something because what we realize is when that happens, A, it's a quick way to get overwhelmed and design a world, a way of working that just does not work for you and exhausts you and depletes your resources. But also I think it, it doesn't help us create the world of work that we want to see, which is compassionate, which is empathetic, which does leave space to go, do you know what? I'm actually ill. Um, like I'm ill. I'm just, I just can't. Right. And I think that's one thing that COVID taught me because <laughs> I was just like, I feel like I've just got a temperature. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Reading this email is, um, it's not happening and I've read it three times and the information's not going in. The brain fog that came with that illness, I think also showed people to put a little bit more respect on our health and our wellbeing and where we're kind of at with stuff. But I think that is such an important lesson for people who are ambitious that actually ambition, I can pursue my ambition in my unique way and it's just as valid, just as impactful. In fact, it will probably be more so because when I finally get round to doing X, Y, Z thing, my I'm going to be so much prouder of what I do and how I do it and I'm going to have space I'm not just going to like crash and burn on sofa straight after doing it and like this is not me saying that there aren't seasons in our life for like that hard work we mentioned it before like I've worked in hospitality I've worked in retail I've worked in customer service sometimes the shift just needs covering and you just go and get it done but I think especially with organizations I work in tech prides itself on you decide how you get the results you tell the client when you can call call them right it's the same thing with entrepreneurship I do these shoots on these days per week these are the areas that I travel to if it's further let me know and I'll have a look having that sort of agency so that we can take full responsibility and it sounds like the weirdest thing to say it's I think 
that's been something that I've lived by to the point where if there has been a period in my career where I've experienced burnout or overwhelm or when overwhelm feels like it's morphing into that, I am able to look back to the ways that I, in some senses, betrayed myself and my tr- what I truly needed in order to get stuff done or in order to kind of show up um, and take full responsibility for it. Mm. Because I came out the gate with like, it's my decision. Well, I think what I've read and what I'm beginning to understand is that we've been deceived into this Mm. being a machine since the industrialization period, because that's when life, as we knew it in the Western world, completely changed where it was like, how much can we produce as quickly as possible? And who are we going to exploit to do that? And we're just living in that legacy because that is literally society is telling us that that's how we do things. So it's so difficult to go against the green and, Mm. you know, be like that. And I've been, this last couple of months have been so busy that I've had to be like, right, how do I rest better when I'm busy? Mm. You know, like I have to get better at resting or filling up my cup because I'm doing more. Whereas, you know, life tells us the opposite. You've got to work hard and not rest. (laughs) And and I think it's always helped me to remember that, um, that we actually are conditioned to believe that's what the Western capitalist world is is telling Mm -hmm. us to be. So it's really hard to stand up against that. And maybe that's why, you know, there is just such a big shift, especially with female entrepreneurs, because we kind of have always been on the outside looking in at all of this. So we can be like, no, 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 no. I've got a better way that everyone can flourish and be happy. And we we might not, we might be as successful, but we might not be. And that's also mm. okay because we're going to be healthier and happier. And yeah. I don't know. I think there's a real balance it's that to that. Piece. I think about it's that, that a lot. Mm. It's really huge. It's like not, does this decision take more from me than I can afford to give? Yeah. Yeah. And it's even harder when you have kids because they're always taking and, you know, you're, you're kind of a bit like, you know, you're you're working to provide for them. But then if you're not there mm. for them, when you're not working, what's the point? And you have to find a way to. And, you know, it's, it's very easy to sit here and say this, but we're kind of living in a world where, you know, not everyone has the privilege to make these choices mm. because of the society that we live in. And I just think it's it's difficult. This is not easy. This is really, no. really not easy. <laughs> but I think people can be of the way and and kind of show examples of how things can be done. And that's happening. I see mm. it a lot with different companies that I work with. And as you say, there's flexibility that comes in the tech world. There's an amazing company I worked for who are kind of revolutionising how you um, recruit with having um, mm. like taking the bias out of recruiting so you don't ha- you have anonymized yeah. CVs and ways of applying for jobs you know salaries are completely clear you know exactly what's happening and mm. I kind of think gosh there are a lot of people doing quite big things that are shifting this landscape to and to allow us to have this kind of freedom whether we're in work yeah. or in freelance world um so it's, I think it's kind of exciting. I'm sure you probably see it a lot in your work too. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely see so. And I, I see a lot more um, boundaries, should I say, around mm. sort of stuff and how we do stuff. And because as well, it isn't a one size fits all and it hasn't been for a while, right? Even in the past couple of months, the results of the four day week study, a lot mm. of the companies decided to keep it. Like monumental stuff like that, that aren't being done in secret, that are making people go, hmm, 
you know, and even at the time of recording, I'm looking at roles and I'm like, look at this. I don't know. Like, look at this amazing, like, suite of benefits slash here are some options for how like you can work and stuff that just wouldn't have been there before, whether that is flexible working, hybrid working, condensed hours, or, you know, even just some of the more typical stuff like day off for your birthday, volunteering days, unlimited annual leave, like all of these different things being exemplified so that even if that job isn't the right job for you, you're able to walk away and actually go, there is a company that offers this on Mm. the planet. It's doable. It's possible because yeah. I think I mean, for so many years. I mean, let's not even start it on like maternity <laughs> rights and pay and oh my goodness, like, yeah. You know, in Sweden, there are. I was listening to a podcast, and you know, if you if your child is sick from school, you just ring up your employer and say, "My child's sick. I can't come in today." Like that's fine. You're paid. You're covered. Mm. No questions asked because that's life and. I do think we're getting better, but, and thank goodness there are people campaigning to change these policies because it's not going to come easy. The people in charge are not living these lives that they can actually see and feel what it feels like to not have all this privilege and... So far from it. So, so far from it. I'm curious, like we've we've stumbled into the topic of motherhood and boundaries and all of that stuff. I wonder, like when you look back on your career, how has your relationship to ambition evolved? Because even going back to, you know, that space where you didn't have the energy to look for work and, you know, shortly after having your children and stuff like that. How has, how has I guess, your relationship with your ambition changed or maybe your ambition itself sort of evolved as you've moved through those different life stages? That's such a good question. I've never thought about it. I actually think it's probably increased in the... I definitely, when my second son was born, I felt this, like he was a mirror because he was so like me as a child, I think. Yeah. That it reminded me of what I was like as a child and it reawakened parts of me that I think were excited or had visions about things that you wanted or and I think there's something about because I want to reclaim something back from me that's only mine Mm -hmm. that in some ways you know you have to fight harder for that to happen because there's so much taking up your time and energy or sleep or whatever so I think there's that part of it but then I think I hope that there's also a part of it is that I want to do my best for them so that, I mean, mm. they're probably still a bit too young to really care what I'm doing or what, you know, <laughs> they just think, oh, mum's a photographer, that's nice. Like, they don't get anything about really... Yeah. That, that's, that's just normal or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's probably increased because I wanted to carve out something for myself much, much more. And it, you have to do it more intentionally, I think, than you do mm. when you're not a mum because you're just going through life, I think. Yeah. I definitely don't have time to be unhappy in a job you know like you Mm. don't want to leave your kids to do something you don't care about and that happens I mean I've worked with so so many women who tell me this story on repeat that they worked for this company they had kids they didn't want to go back to the job they wouldn't they weren't given flexible working so then they decided to do that job run their own business and get paid just as much like so so many stories of women leaving the workplace to do that for themselves so I think you don't have time and energy to waste anymore. You 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 just you just have to care about something. Mm. Otherwise it's not worth it, I don't think. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. probably boosted me to think, well, what do I want to do? What makes me happy? Because actually I'm better for them if I'm fulfilled. 
you know, yeah. and it doesn't. And that's the mum that comes take away from them. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I guess we're lucky we can do this, but because I'm maybe working different hours, that means sometimes they're with their dad, and then they get to have that time together mm. that I've always had on my own with them when they were younger. And it's good to sometimes be away so that they can figure things out for themselves. You know, that yeah. it doesn't always lean towards me. Yeah, I think I think they inspire me in some way. I love that. Oh gosh, what you said, figure things out for yourselves. I'm having like memories of my mum going on a girlies trip with my aunts and dad just whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I grew up in the household where dad he works for himself, run the family business, but it meant that he was working full time, probably more hours. I think I secretly joke that that's the real reason that I'm an early bird because I realised if I got up at six, I'd get to see him before he goes to work because he'd come back after sort of bedtime or whatever. Um, but yeah, oh. there's nothing like I'm all the feminist in me is always for like, if you have that, uh, you know, set up where the husband is working and the mum's at home, dear mums, abandon them with the kids every once in a while. They are their kids too. And it's a great full body learning experience <laughs> yeah and I think they want to because it's only it's only because by default I know there's so much research I was chatting to someone who's doing research into the reasons why that mums are often the one that take maternity leave mm. we've just done it a bit more often that's the only reason we're better at it sometimes it's mm. not because we have some skill that yeah makes it's us not better. a secret it's source it's just we did it every day and had it figured out a way that works efficiently you know Everyone, yeah. anyone can figure that out Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's huge. I like I attest to it. Like I'm the oldest of four kids. My niece arrived and my sister wrote instructions. And I was just like, thank you for the instructions. Because if you give me instructions, I haven't changed a nappy in a while. Which cream are we using today? What's going on? Okay, <laughs> what special ointment for the rash? Cool, 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 cool. And it was just and I was like, I have no shame in the fact that yes, I've probably changed a couple hundred nappies, but at this stage, this is so foreign to me that you need to tell me what time she gets what and if this one doesn't work out, what like give me the options. Onboard mm. me to my niece. And there's nothing wrong with it. And we can share those instructions <laughs> with everybody. Okay. Thankfully, as as a baby, I think she is. Yeah. <laughs> She's a unique Aww. baby that actually she can have instruction. She doesn't evolve much. Yeah. She likes her routine. Good. Um, yeah. So, yes. yeah, 100% get that and a 1,000% agree with that. And it's always really interesting to sort of hear. Um, it's a question that I always like to ask. Like, I'm nosy slash biased is any time that I get mothers is really understanding that. Because for me, I... I see motherhood in my future, but that's always been my question. Like, where does my ambition go? Like, does it does it get smaller? Do I pause it? Turn down the volume? Like, what's the situation? You know so what? Hearing I think, more. Bizarrely, though, you asking me that has made me realise that that was why I think I had to leave the dance industry because mm. I started to realise that it was really competitive because there was always so little money, as in it was always funded. Mm. It was it didn't operate often as a business, which yeah. meant project start and then they'd end and it was really frustrating and I think there was that in in some ways there was like a defining moment of I'm not doing this anymore yeah. I just can't be bothered I want to do something else I don't know what but there's something else for me so I think there was that I think that comes into part of it I almost felt like I can't do much more with what I've be, what I can have in yeah. this world so I'm gonna go to another world <laughs> and figure it out there maybe so I yeah. think in a bizarre way Maybe it was that ambition nudging me beneath to make it all. That shift. Yeah. Saying there's no point, there's no point pushing here anymore, push somewhere else. 
mm. which has felt more fruitful and more flourishing, I think, than that mm. I ever could have felt. But in a bizarre kind of twist of fate, I'm going back into one of the organisations I used to work for. Didn't have a brilliant ending there. I was only a part-time yeah. worker, but it was a brilliant job that I had. And I've been asked to come and take some photos of the directors um, in oh quite a prestigious God. dance organisation. So I'm, it's a strange twist of fate that now I'm going back Love it. in Full there. circle moment. In a different role. And no one, mm. the person who asked me to do it has no idea who I am or that I used to work there. So oh my it's a bit bizarre. <laughs> and Just like walking the corridors and being like, so who still works here that knows me? Well, I actually oh, think okay. that, yeah, I've actually even dreamt about this happening, bizarrely. Yeah. Like I have quite vivid dreams. And this, they've moved location and I've dreamt going in there and knowing some people and not knowing other people and how weird it felt. Yeah. Like there was a nice part to it and a strange part to it. Now it's actually going to happen. Oh yeah. my gosh. I'm quite I love scared, this. but excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bit of both. I, I can't lie. I've had moments like that as well, actually, in my career. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm getting booked by the company that I applied to work for. Cool. Okay. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> This is good and interesting. Oh, so many things, so many things. Um, I know we could talk forever and ever and ever. Um, but uh, thank you so, so much for sharing your journey today. I think there's so many nuggets that we can take from it. And I think so many lessons that we're both still very much learning about careers and work and ambition and goals and boundaries and worth and worthiness, I guess, as well. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. Where can people keep up with you and check out some of this work, right? Well, yeah. let's see. So on Instagram, I am Donna Fordography and there's a blue picture will come up and that will be me if you type in Donna Ford or uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I think again, mm -hmm. if you click Donna Ford, you'll find me with a blue photo I love writing actually about some of these big themes and I've written recently about confidence and the female gaze, which is something I'm, mm. I actually get a lot of people saying I really like enjoyed reading that and I've got some thoughts and I love that. I love striking those conversations. So my website is donnaford.co.uk. I'm sure Jazz will be <laughs> leaving all yes. the, the links. <laughs> all the links will be in the show notes and on the blog version on the website so that you can connect with that work and also I won't ask you about it but like at the time of releasing this we're, we're actually recording International Women's Day sort of week and stuff like that so I also want to encourage you to check out the project from last year because it really was great um, and anything that you have in the pipeline for this year's Women's Month thank you so much Donna oh such a pleasure thanks for having me don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away. My DMs and inbox are always open and waiting to hear. And if you liked this episode, you should probably join the crew. So sign up to the Monday Memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career. With passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire, you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.